0: Lapse. This is State of Demand
1: Gen. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the State of Demand Gen podcast. This is your host, Chris Walker. And today I am thrilled to introduce my very good friend, the chairman and CEO of the Moins Group Companies, Joe Moins. Joe, happy to have you on the show. How are you doing?
0: Awesome to be here. And uh, as always, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. You are one of the critical thinkers that I follow on LinkedIn. So <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate
1: it. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. And the reason, just, uh, just for a little bit of context for people, is the idea that um, Recruiting for demand gen roles is challenging, especially when you're looking for the top tier echelon. And so Joe's experience coming from recruiting in other industries and also just the way he thinks about both on the employer side and on the employee side about how to find a good company and the strategies to do that or how to find a good employee. Right. Either way, um, I think are going to be incredibly valuable. And so some of the things that we've been doing just to get the conversation started is we've we've been able to uh, we're growing really fast. Right. And so when you grow really fast, you need to have people. And a lot of the people listening to the show are also at fast growing, high tech companies. And so when they are growing, they also need to recruit and bring in quality people that can do the work and can get into that work very well and make an impact is super important. Um, And so uh, let's get it. Let's get it started. I mean, why don't you give a a little background about what uh, you know, where you focus and how you see that that this part of the world?
0: Yeah. So, uh, 30 years in search, 7,000 successful assignments done. We're primarily in the med tech health tech field. Um, I'm, you know, it's a generic phrase that people throw over category today called demand gen. Um, we basically started that in the search business. I think if I'm not mistaken, we were the very first recruiter with video online on LinkedIn. And it was back then I didn't know it was demand gen, but it was demand gen. We had gotten hired by Google and Johnson & Johnson to hire to put together the most amazing surgical robot the industry had ever seen. And when they hired us, they interviewed, I think, 24 different companies. We got hired and we had more than 250 or 300 hires we had to make in two years in Silicon Valley. They wanted everybody from Tesla, you know, Amazon, Facebook, all these amazing MS, PhD type candidates. And they said, but wait a second, we can't show the robot. and We can't show you the inside the walls of Google because it was in the Verily building and nobody's allowed in there. It's where all the high tech stuff takes place. I'm like, sure, no problem. I can still do it. And then... Classically recruiting was one phone call, one point, one conversation, one point of influence. It's, it was advertising it was picking up and I have a lake. Do you have a duck? Right. And, and mm-hmm. we had to go beyond that. We had to start to tell these stories longitudinally that gives people time to evaluate, um, watch the story unfold. We influence them um, very subtly. With what we know that they're interested in to lean in. And then we're there standing in front of them in plain sight when they're ready to buy. And so ready that to is, buy means ready to change roles, right? Ready to lean in and have a conversation, ready mm-hmm. to have a conversation. You know, not an SDR, not a BDR in the classic sense of search is search typically was you get a project coordinator, they go ahead and they they send a thousand people over the hill and see who comes back and hope they win the war, right? And what we decided is we're going to start to tell stories at scale and we're going to pull you into the story about Google and J&J and explain to you who you might become. Mm. And it's not any different than when you're talking about a service that you're selling, a SaaS product you're selling or anything you're selling is you want to watch for a while, especially if you're not a buyer yet. And then once you understand that you buy emotionally and justify logically, storytelling is how you get people to buy in emotionally. And then if you're good, you give them the evidence-based information you need for them to justify that move. So Mm -hmm. that's what we've been doing for years now. That's our industry average is one fifth billing on our desks in my office and my organization than the industry standard mm-hmm. because of that approach and so
1: i think that you have some pillars right and so let's we'll just we'll focus the conversation on the company side the employer brand which i find so fascinating how closely the process for getting an employee to join your company or getting a customer to buy your product in terms of how the overall execution is quite similar. It's just a different story, right? It's a different story. And so um, I think I remember you having a couple pillars on the types of stories that you want to tell. would love to go a little bit deeper into that for people.
0: Yeah. So there's four pillars, in my opinion, at least when you're managing your career and you you can decide in whatever category you're in and you're trying to influence people to make a decision. Right. We we never we never force a decision. I only look for truer yeses and truer nos. And if you tell the story the right way you get the right person at the end of the process because otherwise they self-select out early enough rather than you think you have a buyer, um, but you really don't have a buyer and they weren't screwing you. You just did not realize that they were not ready to commit. And so the four pillars are simple. It's market, product, or service, which is the same. So market, product, or service, leadership, mission. And the market needs to be third-party knowledge or third-party facts that are independent of your company. So don't start selling your company right away when we're managing and building careers. We talk about the category of growth over the next five years that you may want to bet your career on. And why is that category so... Um, likely to be one of the leads in the industry you're in. So we start with the story there, and that generally revolves around metrics. And it generally revolves around evidence-based information that's out in the public domain that is non-biased. Then what we do is we wrap your product or service into that promising market. And what what problem does your product or service solve relative to that high growth market and then why is it willing why why should you be willing to bet on that horse in that race right and then that leads me to the jockey leadership mm-hmm. so now i want to know okay you're telling me it's a great market you're telling me that your potential solution is a front runner in that market now Tell me about the horses and the jockey. So the horse is the service. The jockey is who am I going to become because that's who I'm hanging around with. Our mom and dad always told us up growing up and they were right, is who we hang around with is who we become. And so now I want to see who am I going to be rubbing elbows with? Because that's going to increase my network later. It's going to show me what brilliant looks like. And maybe I emulate it. It may give me mm, accidental or intentional mentors. And then finally, the fourth pillar is mission is in order for something to last, you've got to understand why you're showing up every day beyond the paycheck. And in order to put out supreme performances, it can't be tied to to a salary. Uh, and, And the greatest athletes of all time, professional athletes, meaning in business, on the playing fields, always played for the bigger game. And so you need to know why are you parking that car in the parking lot, or you're getting off that train every day to show up to perform. And so those are the four pillars that we use. And I think are transcendent over any story you're telling those four pillars have to be in the story. That is an incredible
1: framework. Let's just pause there and just like think about that for a minute as companies trying to hire top talent. That is really awesome. I've never, that is, I just want to commend you for that. Now I would love, I know that you're probably under NDAs and things like that. If there's one where you're able to share more in detail, kind of like your process for how you went through that and actually executed to then attract the people that you wanted, would love to hear that stuff. And just the one level of detail deeper with an actual example.
0: Well, yeah. So, you know, we'll go back to verb surgical. I mean, the the impetus of it um, was we couldn't show the robot, and 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 so we. You, whenever you're making a hiring decision, you know, generally it's at a distance. And romantically, if I say the word, uh, well, it's sort of a damaged brand right now, Google, because what's been going on uh, with some of the. Um, uh, uh, Information in the public yeah. domain about the environment, but let's let's just think about it. When we think about, you know, Nike, right, or we think about Apple, we already have symbols of what that stands for. So we already have that narrative in our in our in our mind. Um, or you even go back to the days with Larry Ellison, right? You you were going to work for a pirate or Branson, right? So you had symbols already that. You could romantically tie yourself to even if you were n minus six from Branson or Ellison or you know Sergey or even like well let's no let's here's your come here's your current day symbol that I am a huge fan of no matter how the rest of his life turns out is Elon Musk mm-hmm. so there's leadership there's there's market right whether it's SpaceX or Tesla there's market um their product they've done you know. Elon stared down Neil Armstrong and actually cried in an interview that I need to watch every once in a while on 60 Minutes when I need inspiration about doing things that all the experts say can never be done. It shouldn't be done. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, his market was robust. His product was amazing. His leadership is insane. And his mission is to change the world or bring it to another place in the universe. Mm -hmm. That's enough for me. And so you take, now that exists for all of us to be aware of, but what if you're a 50 person company or an eight person company? Yeah. You have to create that, Elon doesn't advertise. He's never advertised for Tesla. He doesn't have to, but you do, I do. We have to tell our story and that narrative has to be running 24, seven, 365 in what we call a hum, sing and shout cadence. That low hum has to be on 24, seven. And every once in a while, when you've got a reason to sing, whether it's a hiring um, uh, agenda in the next 90, 120, 180 days, or it's an event where you shout and you start to keep that story live online in front of your audience, mm-hmm. that's, that's what your hiring initiative should be because... <laughs> If you're only hiring in a 30 or 60 day window and you're bombarding the market with want ads, you're only going to get the bottom of the barrel, the people on the left side of the tail, unless they're desperate on your formal distribution curve. Mm -hmm. And you're only going to get those people who happen to be looking at that moment in time. I'm letting you know that you need to keep your hiring agenda on 24, 7, 365 with that humsing shout because you want that low simmer and the people who are not looking, who are the false, for, who are the force multipliers, who, who are the ones who are going to change your company. Look, there's a stat. you you'll love this, Chris, because you're, you're, you're a, you're a stats guy too. Mm-hmm. The Pareto uh, distribution principle of, of, of who does the most work in a company. There's, there's, there's data supporting that's saying, if you take the number of people in a company and the square root of that, they do 80% of the work. So if you have four people in a company, two of those people do 80% of the work. If you have uh, 50 people in the company, if you have 50 people in the company, seven people Mm -hmm. do do 80% of the work. Yeah. So just think about that for a second. If you're, if you're a 20 person company, you know, and you're hiring a new person, you might be hiring the person that will be one of the four and a half that do 80% of the work. And, and so it's really scary. You said a thousand, that means right. Square root of a thousand is what is it? Uh, 30 (sighs) times 30, uh, right. So that means 33 people are doing 80% of the work. What are the other 967 people doing the rest of the time? And so I think part of that reason is, is poor hiring. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, because it's not a zero sum gain. Because what you can then do is increase your revenue if you hire better people and you hire better people by having your story out in the public domain for a longer period of time for those A players to opt in. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just want to give people an example about how we do this at Refine Labs. We've been able to hire incredible talent. I'm so pleased with the people that are here. And we continue to, to hire two, three, four people a month with this method, is that we go out and connect with directors of demand gen or other people that we want to hire inside of LinkedIn. We just use sales navigator and filter by job titles and location and company size and find our profile. And then all I'm doing is connecting with them. Right? So that's step one is they need, you need to have the audience. Mm -hmm. So I'm just get them into the audience. And then we go through Joe's, um, Joe's pillars. I talk about demand gen being an incredible opportunity right now for the main reason that outbound sales is becoming less effective. And a lot of people don't know how to do it and companies need it. There's the market. We talk about product or service. Our our product is incredibly differentiated because we break down assumptions that other companies have, which is that you need direct attribution on leads, that you need to do things that are not important. Right. It's focused on the outcome. So there's our you know differentiation, our story on our service. Leadership. I just demonstrate the qualities and the things that I th- think our people should do. I just just do the things that I think are the best. So kind of leading by example in that frame. Um, And then our mission is to change how companies do B2B marketing. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's clearly needs a lot of work. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of like how we're able to do it. And then we just, with the 24 seven song, sing, sing hum, hum, sing, sing shout, shout, Ah. is just, is just putting out messages about the things that we believe in and allowing people to opt in at the time when they're ready. And occasionally when we have a role, we're going to go into sales navigator and I'm going to look at the last 10 people that fit the profile that are engaged or have come to one of our events or have done things like that. And I'm going to reach out to them. And 10 out of 10 messages, I definitely get a response. Even if it's a polite, no,
0: definitely get a response. Mm-hmm. And so like, but they, keep, they keep watching. See mm-hmm. the one thing you left out and I knew you would leave it out <laughs> because you're a humble guy is the love that you have for giving away all your secrets you educate online every single day I you know I hear people they wake up and go to my posting at seven thirty a m every morning. I go to your posting every day because all you're doing is influence decision making on a social platform by educating people and give, give, give until they need something and then you just happen to be standing in plain sight mm-hmm. and so you know your listeners. Have to understand that that's what you do extraordinarily well. You know, you you are teaching an entire generation of people because there's no. I don't know anybody else on there that does that. You know who I did. I I I, I admire the one guy uh, you did a couple pieces with who plays the guitar. I think he's down in Miami. Um, Oh, Gitano, Gitano, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I I I I like his stuff, but you still are the maestro to me as much as he plays a killer guitar. He has a great voice. (laughs) Shout out Gitano. So yeah, I mean, that's got to be acknowledged by the people who Mm -hmm. are listening to what you just shared is you can't just show up when you need somebody on LinkedIn Mm. or any other social platform. You've got to be giving 24-7, 365. And if that's not a core tenant of who you are when you're building a company, you are going to be overrun within the next 24 to 36 months by those who get it right now. Mm. Yeah, So so now...
1: I think this is a good place to sort of like flip the script. We talked about what some of the things that companies could do. Right. And a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are, whether it's a marketing manager, director of demand gen, somebody like that, perhaps they want to look for a new opportunity or perhaps they've been at that company for two years. They've hit a place where they recognize that they're not going to grow anymore, whether that's learn or get promoted or get into the position that they want or do the type of work that they want. So for whatever reason it is for people, maybe they want to go out and um, look for another job. Right. And so what are some of the things that the, that the job seeker should do that are sort of, you know, modern, right? Like we just talked about the modern way to recruit people. What on the other side, right? Like there's obviously the standard thing, go to LinkedIn and search your job and then just hit easy, apply to all of those and be within the, you know, one application within 500 people that a lot of people never even look at the application. No, right. It. Never you not want to, it. you don't want
0: to do that, but what should people be doing? Yeah. So there's two strategies that I've developed that have worked extraordinarily well over the last few years um, for job seekers. And you, let me just preface this. You should be looking for a job every single day because the day that you have to look for a job is when you have to start to ramp up your networking and you can expect that to take six months, nine months, 12 mm-hmm. months. You should be networking and you should be on looking all the time. Here's the two techniques. I'll go through them both. One you can find online that uh, I developed called the 10 2 strategy. The 10 2 strategy, you go on YouTube, Mullings 10 2 strategy. Um, it's probably the most powerful thing that I have gotten feedback from on all the people who are looking for jobs. And it's super simple. Okay, so you wanna, the beautiful thing about LinkedIn today or for that matter, nearly any platform, but especially LinkedIn, because that's where careers are managed and built. Mm-hmm. But it's also first and foremost, an educational platform. If you think of it as a job platform, you're making a big mistake. So the ten two strategy is allowing you to get in front of any human being that's on LinkedIn that you would not be able to do in the analog world. And the 10 two is a simple ratio. It's like, so reach out to people, go on sales navigator. And even if you don't want to do sales navigator and you don't want to spend the extra couple bucks, I, I get it with some people, but why wouldn't you invest in your career longitudinally target the top 30 companies you want to go after. And within that 30 companies target everybody, depending on where you are at a minimum director level all the way up to the C-suite. And depending on the company size, if you pick 20, 30 companies, let's say there's 30 people from each of those companies. Now you've got a thousand people who are in your target domain. You, you start an Excel spreadsheet. And in that 10, 4, 2, the ratio is like 10 times, four times comment, twice share what they post. So Susie Q who's director of marketing at ABC company is active on LinkedIn. It's really easy to see if you don't want to do sales navigator, I'm not going to give a sales navigator class, but if you just look up Susie every day, you go to her activity and you go to her uh, uh, LinkedIn activity, you can see what she's commented on and where she's left a comment. So she doesn't even have to be an organic poster and wherever Susie's content uh, uh, commented, you can hit like and or reply on there right? Mm-hmm. And each target is its own 10, 4, two. So this isn't gross. It's Susie Q. You're going to work her profile over the next three months for that 10, 4, two strategy. And then once you hit it, you go again by then Susie, not everybody has 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 followers on LinkedIn. A lot of people have less than a thousand. Mm-hmm. So you show Susie some attention and some love and you comment intelligently on that and or you add value to the conversation that she's in the middle of that she's probably going back and posting. She's going to go, who's this Chris Walker guy who likes my stuff the last three times. And while well, that was pretty clever, he, oh, and he aligned that thought with this conversation, you were now in Susie's inner circle. Mm-hmm. At least on the radar. You're she knows you. Yeah. Dude, she's going to your thing. She knows you. Now again, manage it like dating. Don't leave five telephone calls on the answering machine after you just went out for a cup of coffee. That's freaky, right? Manage it appropriately. Have a self-awareness around that. And so now you can even do that if you're a prolific poster, meaning, you know, most I think it's less than 1% of people post on LinkedIn. But let's say you post two to three times a week. Here's another strategy. Using the same one, unwind the headlines. If you're in an industry every Saturday, You need to go out and pull, or the industry you want to get into, you go pull 10 headlines, go to Google, type in your industry, type in something that's hot in the industry, and look at the 10 articles. Take those articles and unwind them from a technical perspective about forecasting what might be happening in a market and what people want to think about. That shows critical thinking. That shows sort of longitudinally projecting of what mm-hmm. everybody's looking for. It demonstrates IQ and then people, you end up on people's radar screen wanting to be a target for them that they're keeping their eyes on. So ten forty two 2 and unwinding the headlines. Both of those, I hate to do this, but they're both on YouTube and you know, they're both big hits on the best way to draw attention and awareness intelligently to you. <laughs> just to, just to sort of support this. I'm not sure if the people that we've hired have been
1: using Joe's 1042 two strategy, but I would say that probably 50% or more of the employees that work here have done something along that lines, which then actually drove an outbound action from me or somebody else in the company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like mm-hmm. browsing through LinkedIn. Hey, that was what they said was smart. We have this role. I'm going to connect the dots. I'm when I'm on LinkedIn, I am always looking based on our open job roles, always in the back of my mind. Okay. So who's posting, what, who's commenting that person. That's a fractional CMO said something smart. Maybe they want to come and work here. There you go. There and you so go. Um, it's, it's incredibly interesting if it, to, to sort of maybe this would be an interesting thing to talk about to reverse engineer how the company hires. Right. And so like for us, like you can throw in your job application on easy apply. We're, we're posting it there to, to check the box. Um, but you might just want to lean into the thing that I just told you, if you want to work here. Right. And so for, as a candidate, maybe you want to work at some, you know, medical device company that may not be doing these things. And so you have to sort of look at who are my targets, how are they recruiting? And then sort of back in to how you should go out and strategize. What do you think about that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look, I mean, companies can do it for sure is, is. Most recruiters in corporations um, are overworked, under-resourced, under-trained, and are not given the right tools, uh, and are not up to speed on um, the latest techniques. Mm-hmm. And I agree with they're that. They're great. They're great people. It's just that they're 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 that, they're competing in a market right now, which is why the headhunting business is going to be continue to be on fire for the next five years for a variety of reasons as well, between environment and mental health and safety and mental health challenges going on and all the other things that HR is going to be busy doing. So, you know, if you're thinking about getting into headhunting, look into it deeply, but go to work at a good firm. The point is, is invasive recruiting requires a long-term thought process with very aggressive yet subtle in invasion of people's space, demonstrating why they want to come to your company because of the unique way you think. And I'm not talking about free lunches and bean bags and foosball tables. You know, I'm talking about, you know, put your best products out there, meaning your people on behalf of your organization, put out content that's relatively provocative and shows that you're looking to do things relatively in a unique way. Because who wants to hire Johnny Whitecracker, right? Who's, who's not going to be a provocative thinker in today's mm-hmm. world. And if they're vanilla and Switzerland, that I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't want those people applying for my jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want the people who are, again, critical thinkers, have a high level IQ, will be disagreeable within reasonable fashion because those are the people who get ahead uh, and, you know, are open to uh, uh, new ways of doing things. That's what I always give guidance on hiring. So your content needs to attract those people. Love that. So now we're going to go
1: back now that we talked about the employees. I shared a couple ideas for, for people that are job seekers. And like Joe said, maybe you should always be networking, not necessarily that you're looking for a job, but you are putting in the effort to set you up for when it's basically building the opportunity, building the chances of having that opportunity grow larger and larger
0: every day. Right. Like then before you run on here, you'll get a bigger raise. You'll get more promotions because the, the, I was on a conference call today and we were talking about developing brands for employees of a company. And they asked me my opinion on it. And they said, we're afraid that they're getting too big by developing their own brand online. And I'm afraid mm-hmm. that they're going to leave. I said, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. They're developing their brand online. They're going to leave anyway. <laughs> Why don't you just continue to give them big opportunities within your organization that they certainly, you know, through competency and validation and, 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 and merit, get that shot on goal, pay them Mm -hmm. better than you're paying them. They're probably worth it if you're worried about losing them and then give them more opportunities to explore their creativity. Mm -hmm. So what you just pointed out, Chris is going to get you more raises and going to get you the charier opportunities. If you're truly in a player in your company, Mm -hmm. because they're going to be like, you know, Susie queues out there all over the place, putting this content out, expect to get called into the principal's office too about Susie. How come you're so active on LinkedIn? Are you looking? And the answer I've is in there before I'm always looking and I'm never looking.
1: It's tough right? as an employee to do some of
0: these things because of how it's viewed from the employer or coworkers. They're doing that out of fear. And out of 100%. keeping you down, right? Remember that they need you. And, I, and, I've, and I've tutored this since 1989 when I got in this business is everybody got on the dole of worrying about what the company thinks about me as a search firm. And I did it the other way. I'm like, I am a champion of the individual, of the candidate. And when they trust me and an entire industry trusts me, and they know I am not a shill for the client just because they write my check, they follow me. And if they follow me, the clients have to pay my absurd fees. Mm -hmm.
1: 100%. And so... Joe, we've been through, we've been through some interesting topics. Is there anything else that you think top of just based on what we're talking, I'll give you a chance to sort of like drive this conversation. What are some of the things that are on your mind based on what we just talked about?
0: Um, yeah, you know, so I'm curious from your perspective, it's like, where, where does, where does this demand gen model go from here? You know, you and I understand the physics of it relatively well, right? It's, it's, it's putting out really good content, educating people, um, loading that funnel, um, without pure mindless labor. But Mm -hmm. what do you see as the next iteration of this in, in a, in a non-constrained world? Well, I'm curious what you think, because I love your thoughts on this kind of stuff.
1: I honestly believe it's more of the same Right. And so it's, it's interesting to talk about the future when most companies aren't even at the present. Right. And so that, that one, I think is interesting. Like when, when the market has caught up to this, there will clearly be new things. Right. And so it's the places that it happens change the types of stuff that you need to put inside of those places from a content perspective change. But at the end of the day, it's just me having a conversation with you alongside as many other people as I can at the same time, right? And so it's just scalable communication, using information rather than a one to one, whether it's sales or recruiter conversation. And so that's the way that I see it moving. Um, It's not like super, you know, sophisticated in terms of in terms of the things, but when it comes down to it, it's just a more efficient method to attract people. And to get you their think attention. about
0: surrounding them around other platforms they're on, right? So I've always said, you know, we're, we're the same person, but we have different triggers in our mind, triggers of happiness and triggers of being pissed off is like, I don't want kitty cat videos and grandma's skateboarding uh, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but then I don't want to be solicited for a job on Instagram and, uh, because I just want to go there for escapism. And then mm-hmm. on Facebook, I just want to hang out with my alumni and my friends and my family. And I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to be pitched there. So what are your thoughts on, and then forget Twitter, Twitter's bubblegum news. Yeah. No, yeah. There's anything there? Right. So I, I think that it's dependent on your candidate profile,
1: right? Like if you're going after 60 year old Rick who lives in Idaho then you might want to spend more time recruiting on Facebook. You know what I mean? And so like there's there's some interesting dynamics around who you're going after. Um, but in general, what I like, the way that I like to do is find your couple channels. Like for us, it's, it's audio, podcast, and LinkedIn are the two and do those very well. And at, until you reach the point where you're like, there's no more that I can do here, then don't focus, especially on things that are old right? Like we're not going, I'm not moving backwards, especially in this world to Facebook or Twitter, but I will look at moving forwards at, w- at a place where it becomes obvious that that's the place where the people that I'm going after are hanging out at the same time where it's not a distraction so that we break the thing that's already working really well. Right. And so my recommendation is pick a couple of pillars. I love the podcast strategy because you get deep. It's a completely different format. And so the idea that you're able to have candidates, that are listening to the way that you see the world three times a week for an hour, each, each episode, and they're actually engaged, the odds of them having an affinity to join your company in the future goes through the roof if they just did that. Right. And so it's interesting when you, when, if you're in certain types of companies where like for, for us, we, we do marketing and we're looking for marketing people. And so, but every company is the same. You have a subject matter expert inside of your company that's doing something. You sell the finance people, have your CFO start talking about all the different things that you believe about the world of finance and why your category is the right one to be in and why your product is well positioned and what your mission is and then that person becomes the
0: the face of the company or at least a component of it right yeah. question question look, look you're clearly talented in this right so so you, but you, but you've grown that talent over practice and and, and, and months 100% percent right so how about the person who is it's going to be bomb squad? The first three, six, nine episodes. How do you get them over that? Anyone, and we're trying
1: We're trying to make a video on this. We're still doing the editing, but anyone can go back and look at my first LinkedIn videos. I was in a sweatshirt and I looked like I was in prison. Like it really, like really the, the quality was very, very poor. You could barely understand my audio. Like it wasn't good. It through practice, you get better at stuff, right? And so the first, the, the first thing that I look at is commitment. If you're not committed, you're never going to get through this. And so this has to be a strategic priority inside of your company in order for this to get legs and actually have enough time to be successful. Right. So strategic priority that's on the roadmap that has executive sponsorship from and the person that's involved that's going to be the face or the person doing it has a deep level of commitment for whatever reason they decide. Right. So step one, commit step two, have something interesting to say. Right. And so, and, and part of this is practice, right? Like the way that I frame up the things that I talk about are far more concise and direct and to the point and better because I've practiced it a lot. I've also talked to a lot of people. I also put out thoughts and I understand when it doesn't resonate with someone because they give me feedback. Right. And so through practice, you actually develop, you can develop your narrative in real time as you do it. Which then becomes something that you, that people want to have you speak at the the inbound conference that happens every year, if that's what you are into, or whatever your industry conference is. Imagine being the person that's invited to speak there, and maybe they want to pay you versus you paying a hundred grand to sponsor their booth so that you can get a spot up there. Yeah. Imagine how the dynamics switch when you control the audience and you attract people in. <laughs> and so it's sort of just like the B2B companies, for whatever reason, love to love to use middlemen to access the people that they're going after. I need to go through that, especially med tech, right? Like I need to go and sponsor the American association of optometries conference, because that's the only way that I can get to people. It's like, no, you can't. There's plenty of ways to get to the people directly. Can run ads you can build an audience you can create content you can do you know there's there's plenty of ways or I want to work with that company so I can run banner ads or I want to spend ten thousand dollars to sponsor their webinar that they're doing that has nothing to do with our product and so I think just just understand that you take control and then you control the narrative you you build the practice you go through it and so that's sort of like um, the the framework that I like to tell people is that this, and I've used it in other marketing taxes to demand taxes, this is an endless pursuit. It doesn't end. You don't just get to a finish line and you're like, Oh, I guess we're good. Brand's good. And so if you don't see it that way, you're going to give up. Um, and so those are some of the things that I I try and say to help people get through, especially the first uh, a lot of people fall off within the first month. Oh god. But But, um, at least the first six, if you're doing these things and you want to have like a million candidates coming to you in the first six months, you have the wrong mindset Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you should be planning on having a business for a long time. And if you're building for the future, then the the, the least amount
0: of tactics strategy. and, and, And so here's the one thing, you know, I'll, I'll mention is the world of hiring is not going to change. Until CEOs are graded on their hiring brand. Their mm. bonuses are based upon it. Their options or RSUs are based upon it. And the chief of talent acquisition reports directly into them, not into HR. And or until through finance. That happens, sometimes, or, right? Or, or like through finance CEO, or operations. CEO, CEO, CFO, and then maybe head of HR and then recruiting, right? <laughs> like the the the, the <laughs> The storytelling, the identification of what talent really looks like on a day-to-day basis, unless people's behavior is driven by the rewards. And when CEOs stand up in front of it and, and it makes me nauseous, I get that taste in my mouth when they're like, people are our number one asset. Yet when you map it back to, and I'm not even talking about current employees, I'm talking about future hires. Mm-hmm. They're there are very few organizations that I can point to that their behaviors track directly to the CEO office based upon the attraction of talent in the marketplace. And it won't change until and, and, and you know, I'll, I'll leave you with this, too, Chris. We are building a company right now quietly in the background That you will think of as Pricewaterhouse, Ernst & Young, you know, one of the biggies that where those were built on accounting and grew into consulting, we believe that there's a market and it's going to come on quick and it's going to be the big companies that come into it last as they always do. Very low adoption uh, and early stage uh, sort of dislocation of mentality where we believe that under 100 employees, CEOs who Their success is going to be tied, i.e. their paycheck, to the ability to steal talent from your competitors to bring that core competency in. We are quietly building that firm right now using technology, product development, software, outreach, engagement, um, catering to the entire candidate market pool rather than disrespecting them Mm -hmm. through an applicant tracking system that's an electronic AI function that's... uh, interns are looking at in most organizations after they've been sitting on the desk for four weeks. E, the CEOs who do that first are going to crush within a relatively short period of time. Cause I'm going back to the force multiplier and I'm going back to the proven physics of the square root of the number of employees <laughs> who do 80% of the work, do the math that is going to change the industry. Mm-hmm. That's the company
1: that we're building right now. <laughs> that sounds Incredible. And so looking forward to seeing that continue to develop. There's one thing that you said that sparked my, uh, you know, sparked another kind of like conversation route here, which is that on if you look at the parallels between recruiting and creating demand or doing marketing, um, one of the things that I talk about a lot is how marketers, uh, fail to reach their full potential in terms of impact because of the buying experience that happens after that, right? Like I fill out a form and then I need to uh, wait seven days before an SDR calls me. And then once they call me, they can't do anything. So they have to book a meeting for a week later with the AE and then the AE comes in and is unprepared and then they need to get me a solutions consultant that actually knows about the product and my problems. And then before you know it, you're a month in and you've most likely went and bought something else. And so the, and so the frame on this one is in, it focused on the hiring process. When somebody's actually in there and good and interested, where are the places where companies are just fucking up?
0: Oh God. Let me count the ways, um, but the primary way is the way they write the job description. So that let's just start, that. I'll give you a couple of pressure points mm-hmm. Is is it's a recipe for what we want from you, not who you'll become, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first one, it's all about me, me, me on the company side, must have, requirements, right? So who will you become when you go here? We know you're only gonna stay here for three to five years, statistically speaking, but in those three to five years, here's who you could become and here is why. That's the number one. That's your first, Love that. right? I got, it's, it's, it's so screwed up. So that's number one. Number two is the first point of contact is the intake call from HR. And when you hit HR up and it's not their fault, because they're usually managing anywhere from five to 50 recs is it's an inquisition for the most part. And they're not it's, able it's to an call. It's a qualifying right. call. That's the same thing. That's why I'm taking you through the frame, frame yeah, yeah. The right? <laughs> And hold on, I have this form to fill out. What'd you say there, right? And and so you can't answer any questions about the feature benefits of the product or the career move there. Mm -hmm. And why is the position open? How have you been taking care of it along the way? Who will I become? And why do you think, well, let's go back to the four pillars. If you can at least share the four pillars with the person on the other end of the phone, that may bridge them to the actual hiring manager. Mm -hmm. And then the hiring managers ill prepared to sell his or, her, his or her company at the senior level. That's a little different. When you get to the VP level, most VPs are very adept at being able to sell the opportunity, whether it's design development, quality, clean, you know, mm-hmm. ops, whatever it is, but that's not where most of the intake conversations happen in the hiring of most organizations that hire it's at the managerial level. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they start with the, the behavioral based interviewing. I mean, seriously, you know, you yep. know, why don't you give me a product that allows me to do a tremendous amount of due diligence before I even get on the phone with you? Why don't you send me an interactive video based of why I should even think about leaning in to come to work there? Mm -hmm. Rather than make me go on Google and find all these articles and all these videos, and maybe they're dated. Maybe it's, why don't you send me a beautiful packet electronically? You don't have to pay for postage. That puts so much due diligence. And it's not the smiley people around the company picnic who happen to be all different colors and genders, because you're trying to prove to me that you're living on balance. Mm -hmm. Like send me all this information of why the market that you're in is good. And then why your product serves that market. And then why the leaders that I'll be working with and customize it. Don't give me the CEO and the VP of R and D when I'm interviewing for a senior engineer role, Mm -hmm. why are those people? And now, I'm better educated when I come in and my questions are better They're more salient and the company wins because if you get the ding dong who didn't do his or her own homework and, or they did their homework, but they don't even have to frame questions around the answers you're giving them, because that's how I judge interviewees is what are the questions you ask me Mm -hmm. now, now you've just served both parties in a deep way. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I think the breakdown is. And that's where technology should be used in that fashion not in you think that AI it's, that reads yeah, resumes. I, I like that you got that point in there because
1: I agree with that. Do you think that this is hubris? It's like, we are so good as a company that you should need to beg to work here versus what the real world is working like right now, which is that top talent is very narrow and they control the market. And you need to figure out how to
0: get them in. Is that
1: really the difference here?
0: I think it's, I think it's multifactorial. I think some of it is that some of it is that most of these hiring decisions are made by people who aren't professional talent access people, and they don't understand the dynamics in the market. So they're only getting the experience of like the battered spouse. Like this is what they've dealt with their whole life. So that's all they know when you get outside and you're free to breathe and you see what progressive approaches can be by utilizing technology to be effective, not to automate an ineffective process. And so Mm -hmm. I chuckle when I see this ATS system is all you're doing is automating crap, (laughs) right? Because the only things that are coming in for the most part are people who need a job, not the people who I probably want to be the force multiplier in my organization. And those people have become numb to that white noise in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is where they just don't know better. Uh, and, and then it's a lot of work, right? Because then what you have to do is you have to, you have to put a bullet in the head of something that is comfortable and you know, even if it's ineffective and that's how the world in general lives. Yep. So, you know, what you have to do is be comfortable with killing who you were yesterday in order to, who, to be who you could possibly become tomorrow. And that comes down to even the self. I mean, I'm not getting too philosophical here, is dude, imagine who you could be. Just sit on the end of your bed one day, close your eyes and who could I really be if I really put my head into it? And it's the mm-hmm. same thing when you're hiring for a company. Who could we really attract if we really thought about a very unique way to do it? Mm-hmm. And for all of the demand marketers that are listening,
1: whether you're senior or whether you're junior over the next five years, you can be a force multiplier, like Joe said, inside of maybe it's not even the company that you work for right now. Maybe that company hasn't presented itself yet. Right. But this role specifically in demand gen will be a force multiplier. The top tier talent will be that. And so you can strive to sort of be that. It's it's not here yet, but it's coming. Companies, do, like I said, companies are gonna pay Google software engineer type salaries for this role over the next two to five years because of how important it is. Companies have been ignoring it for a long time. COVID accelerated the importance of them needing to understand it.
0: And here we are. And so- And it's the um, least competitive time right now because there's a lot of smart people out there like you that are gonna get it. Right, And so if you're going to enter in, enter in now Mm. and then get that land grab now. Because next year, you aren't going to have as many soft areas to get into this. And But to your point, you've got to have the courage right now to be one of the early entrants in it. Um, But there's no question behaviorally that in every industry, this demand gen style of reaching the potential buyer, no question about it. I think that is an awesome
1: place to end. Joe, have really appreciated catching up with you. I think it's been like six or eight months now. So it's always good to to be back with you. I appreciate your insights. We don't cover a lot of these types of topics on here. So it's been a pleasure to kind of talk through it. I enjoyed it a lot and uh, look forward to when we can do it again soon. You got it, man. Always keep up the great stuff. Huge
0: fan. and Thanks for the opportunity to share.